In America, we don't turn to government to restore our souls. We put our faith in Almighty God. You voted to make America great again. We are making America greater than ever before. It's happening before your eyes. We will rekindle new faith in our values, new pride in our history, and a new spirit of unity that can only be realized through love for our great country. The American people voted to reject this corrupt globalism. This is the most important election in the history of our country. And yet, despite all of our greatness as a nation, everything we have achieved is now in danger. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. And when I'm reelected, the best is yet to come. to the Hip Hop Patriot. Jeremy Harrell. Probably one of the largest letdowns in political history. Just have fun. Keep fighting, God wins. We love At the close of the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia in 1787, legend has it that a woman called out to Benjamin Franklin to ask what kind of government the delegates had created. Franklin responded, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. A republic? Shouldn't Franklin have said, a democracy? Isn't that what we have in the United States? Most people today would say yes. After all, if our country isn't a democracy, what is it? It's not a dictatorship, the rule of one man, or an oligarchy ruled by a small group. In America, the people are in charge. That's literally what democracy means in the original Greek. Demos, kratos. The people, demos, rule, kratos. But let's pause for a moment and consider more deeply what the word means in practice and why the delegates in Philadelphia rejected it. That's right, rejected it. Our government was established by a national charter, the Constitution of the United States. We are governed by the institutions and according to the rules and principles created and adopted when our forebears ratified that document, making it the supreme law of the land. Are those institutions, properly speaking, democratic? The men who bequeathed our form of government to us, those we call our founding fathers, didn't see it that way. They understood the institutions established by the Constitution to be Republican. In fact, though the founders believed in government of the people, by the people, for the people, as Abraham Lincoln put it in the Gettysburg Address, they did not believe in pure or unrestricted democracy. They feared that democracy, strictly speaking, contained within it the impulse to mob rule, 
the stifling of civil liberty, the trampling by majorities of the rights of minorities. To put it more bluntly, pure democracy frightened them. So while they built into the Constitution significant democratic elements, they also built in non-democratic features to protect liberty and prevent tyranny. It wasn't simply that they favored representative government over direct democracy, though they did. It's that they rejected the idea that the majority wins was by definition the just outcome. Indeed, in what is perhaps the most famous of the 85 Federalist Papers, Federalist 10, James Madison, precisely in distinguishing a democracy, which he did not favor, from a republic, which he did, noted that a crucial advantage of republicanism is to refine the public views by passing them through the medium of a chosen body of citizens whose wisdom may best discern the true interests of the country. And so we have representative government, and more than that, we have a bicameral, that is, two-tiered legislature, a Congress with a highly democratic House of Representatives and a not very democratic Senate. Therefore, California, with its massive population, has 52 representatives in the House. Wyoming has one. Yet Wyoming has two senators, the same number as California and every other state. A pure Democrat would say, that's unfair. Each Wyoming resident has far more power than every Californian. But a Republican would say, well, we aren't and shouldn't be a pure democracy. If we were, large population states like California would overwhelm the needs and interests of small population states like Wyoming. That's why we're called the United States of America. Each state has its own separate identity, holds its own separate elections. Just as we don't want one person or small group of people to dominate our government, we don't want one state or a few states to dominate our government. A republic is a way of diffusing power, and a brilliant one at that. We see something similar in the Constitution's procedures for choosing a president. An obvious possibility would have been by a national popular vote. The founders wisely decided against this option. Rather, they created an electoral college to protect the interests of the less populous states. Even today, their decision makes sense. As my Princeton colleague, Professor Alan Gelzo, observes, a direct national popular vote would incentivize campaigns to focus almost exclusively on densely populated urban areas. The electoral college system incentivizes candidates to court voters more broadly making presidential elections more fully national. So if we understand the system of government our founders bequeathed to us, we will see why they preferred to describe it as a republic rather than a democracy. Of course, it has strong democratic elements, but America was not created to be a pure democracy for very good reasons. Those reasons remain as valid today as they were in 1789. Amen. We should not go along with those who today are demanding constitutional changes Amen. simply because this or that institution or procedure established by the Constitution, say the Senate or the Electoral College, is not democratic. More democratic doesn't necessarily mean better. It doesn't necessarily mean more just. Our founders understood this. So should we. We have a republic, and we should keep it. I'm Robert George, McCormick Professor of Jurisprudence and Director of the James Madison Program at Princeton University for Prager University. This video was made possible by a generous donation. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you guys know as well that there's a reason I played such a long cold open this morning. It is 
it no, it is imperative that we all understand that we the people have more power than the federal government that is constantly trying to get your uh, to, to get this new wave, this new generation of children to forget our history and to brainwash them into believing that we are a democracy when we are clearly not in a republic. Power is in the hands of the individual citizen, which is what we are, which is what you have. In a democratic system, laws are made by the majority. In the republic system, laws are made by the elected representatives of the people. In a democracy, will of the majority has the right to override the existing rights and laws. And that is what you see today with Democrats and mob rule. So the more you know, the better equipped you're going to be to win this war. Remember, if you don't even know who you are, how are you ever supposed to succeed or win at this war that we are in right now, which is not a war of the flesh, which is a war of the spirit. And we will talk again a little bit about that at the end of this show. A constitutional republic gives you the power, not your government. Before we get into birthdays or anything else, let's do what this shirt says. Let's put your hand over your heart. And all together, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Not one nation under government. Not a democracy. Your very history is in the most easiest thing that you've ever learned, and that is the Pledge of Allegiance. Ladies and gentlemen, you're locked and loaded right here on Live from America. Welcome to LFA TV. I am your ever so humbled, God-fearing, and God-loving host of the show, Jeremy Harrell, the hip-hop patriot. And I am broadcasting, as always, from the Live Free or Die Granite State of New Hampshire. And it is an honor, a privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you every single day. And I never wake up in any day without thanking God that you guys and my wife pushed me to leave my career and do this for a living. Because there's no greater feeling than spreading the truth, and there's no greater feeling than spreading the gospel. So you guys should do me a favor and spread this Rumble link far and wide. Shout out to our Getter family as well. We've got a couple birthdays here, folks. We've got Holly Ann's birthday today, and I believe Claire as well. So, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Holly Ann and Claire. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, ladies. I hope that today 
is literally the best day you could ever have. Well, it already is because you're alive and you're a child of God and you're breathing and smelling and tasting and hearing and feeling. It is a blessing to be alive. So that alone is a birthday present for you. That's why they call it the present and not the past. Anyway, folks, let's go to the verse of the day today. Yes, there are two shows for everybody that's wondering. Two shows, twice the fun today when we're only supposed to have one show because last night we only had one show, and I'll explain that at the end of the show today. But we are going to go through this entire show today remembering that we are a republic and not a democracy. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in, uh, for the, first, uh, the verse of the day, which I said, focus on promises, not problems. From Deuteronomy 31.6. Deuteronomy 31.6. For all those who follow along, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread for, uh, of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Focus on your promises, not your problems. Moses was facing problems left and right, trying to lead the people to the promised land. Can you imagine wandering around for 40 years, lost and constantly trying to keep the massive crowds of people calm and stay in belief? Think about what a pastor of a church goes through. The congregation's problems are his problems. And if you have a good pastor, he seems to have no time for himself because he is focused on helping the flock 24-7. Now multiply that by thousands, millions, and that was Moses. However, Moses understood not to focus on the problems, but instead focus on the promises of God himself who cannot tell a lie. Have you ever felt like God is not listening? I'm sure you have. Have you ever felt like God is not talking back to you? I'm sure you have. Have you ever felt like he doesn't care anymore about you? I am sure you have. Well, imagine how Moses felt for 40 years. Imagine how the lost people who were following him felt. You can read it for yourself. They were constantly grumbling and second-guessing everything because they didn't focus on the promise of God, but rather the problems that they were facing. Look at Paul. He wrote letters enthusiastically that make up most of the New Testament. He did it all from a prison cell. He is a perfect example of not focusing on your problems, but focusing on the promises It's not easy. I get it. Trust me, I do. Today, I want you to think of the problems in your life that you have right now. And I guarantee you, most of you are literally going through the reel of problems in your head as I say that. I want you to focus on those problems. And I want you to make a plan to deal with each one of of them on God's time, not yours. Understand that you are doing everything that you can. And then let it go to God. He promises, or his promises, excuse me, will come to fruition. Now, I do lists daily to stop my anxiety of all the things that need to be done. And as I cross things off the list, I see God's hand at work right before my very eyes. It's also 
Uh, it also allows me to remove all of that stuff that's swirling around in my head and put it safely and securely on paper so that I don't have to think about it anymore and I can clear my head enough to focus on the promises rather than the problems. So thank you, Jesus, for helping me see this every day. In your holy name, we pray as an LFA family, and we all say, amen. Please remove your hats, rumble the video, share it to your direct messengers, and then let's all go to God in prayer. Here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, amen, and I'll say it again, amen. What a blessing it is that we all have each other to remind each other every single day where we are, who we are, whose we are, and what our plan is, wearing the full armor of God. Are you ready for life from America? Are you? Are you sure? Well, then give me a big heck yeah. Lift up your cups, and let's have our first slurp of the day. Let's keep it going. Let's rumble the crap out of this video, and let's get 5,000 viewers in here to spread this message. Here we go. First and foremost, Wisconsin, the great, wonderful, beautiful, flourishing, God's green earth Wisconsin really, really wants to redo their election of 2020. Now, if you remember the other day when I, was, uh, when I had Javon Hutton Pulitzer on, whom I believe is from Wisconsin, He said, we know that we have a great saying. It's called MAGA, make America great again. He said, and I don't want you to ever forget MAGA. But what I do want you to do is just for a minute, in order to MAGA, we have to lava. So just set MAGA aside for a minute. Don't forget it. Don't lose it. Don't misplace it. Set it aside for a minute. And as you're setting aside MAGA, bring in lava and start chanting that. Lava, let Americans vote again. Lava, let Americans vote again. And that came from the great Javon Hutton Pulitzer. And he said we should start focusing on that all, all of us right now. Now, before I get into the story of Wisconsin wanting to redo their election, I I wanted to go and I wanted to find out, has this been done before? And if so, how many times? And if so, how recently has this been done? And ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you this. Since 1992 to 2022, 30 years, in 30 years, this has happened. I'm talking about redoing an election in the United States of America 20 times. 20 times in the last 30 years. So let's look at those 30 uh, 30 years and let's look at those 20 times right now. Here we go. 2016, ladies and gentlemen, we had, and this is even more, more recently, a local election in Alabama declared a winner. 
2021, a local California declared winner. Local California declared winner in 2012. 2021, local Florida declared winner. 1994, state, a state election, which is what Wisconsin is looking to do. Pennsylvania declared winner. In 2012, county in West Virginia declared winner. In 92, a county in Florida, a do-over. 96, a mayor in Florida, do-over. 19, uh, 2019, a state, Georgia, do-over. In 2015, Mayor, Louisiana, do-over. 2021, local Mississippi, do-over. 2016, state Missouri, do-over. 2015, local New Jersey, do-over. 2018, federal North Carolina, do-over. 2014, local North Carolina, do-over. 2016, Mayor, North Carolina, do-over. 2016, local North Carolina, do-over. 2018, County Texas, do-over. 2018, County Texas, do-over. And 2018, Mayor Texas, do-over. Do not let these rhinos, these dinos, these uniparties, these swamp donkeys, and these lying politicians that want you to believe that we live in a democracy rather than a constitutional republic ever brainwash you into believing that you cannot redo an election. Not only can you do redo an election, we redo elections all the time in the United States of America. And I just showed you 20 times that it's happened in the last 30 years. Now, massive fraud identified in Wisconsin and mixed with a decided uh, decision, excuse me, a decision in the court of law are the two items needed to redo the election. And ladies and gentlemen, do you want to know who said this? Speaker Robin Voss. Rhino Speaker Robin Voss. Now, he's trying to say that they're not, they, they, it's probably just no precedent in doing it. There's really no way that we can remove somebody who's already been certified as a, win, as a winner in an election. But then in the same breath, he says, unless it is proven in a court of law, to have overwhelming fraud. Well, the Supreme Court in Wisconsin just last week, just last week decided that drop boxes are not only illegal now and in the future, but that means they were illegal in the 2020 election. There were approximately over 520 drop boxes placed in public areas in Wisconsin in the 2020 election, which would mean that maybe not decertification, but maybe a redo of a lava scenario, let Americans vote again, is definitely on the table. And that's per Robin Voss. He cannot walk that back. He cannot walk that back. And after candidates like Tim Rantham, who we're going to get back on the show again, came forward and said, look, we call for a complete decertification based on the fraud that we now know that the Supreme Court in Wisconsin has ruled on, Ladies and gentlemen, we might be close to a redo. Now, all those people out there that say it's not going to happen, 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 that kind of attitude will make it not happen because we know it does happen. We know it can happen. We know it's happened 20 times in the past 30 years on a state level and even at a federal level when it comes to senators and congressmen and women. Citizens in the state released a video of Wisconsin Speaker Voss laying out legitimate reasons for decertifying the 2020 election. Whether he wants this out there or not, it's out there. And thank you to Jefferson Davis for sharing with multiple politicians and officials in the state and citizens 
about this video, this very video where Robin Voss is talking about it. Let's go to the video and then let's come back to what I'm talking about, okay? Let's see, we got this uh, right here. Here we go. Check this out. Incredible. The 2020 elections investigation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've said in the past that you believe it's important to seriously consider Wisconsinites' distrust yeah. in the election process, that that's important. Um, we, we're showing some uh, data from the Marquette Law School poll that kind of tracks how people feel about this. In Wisconsin, about two-thirds of Republicans expressed little or no confidence in the 2020 election results. Voters were asked about that again in the spring election, which is different, mm -hmm. but Republican confidence was greater. They were, uh, 76% said that they were confident in those spring election results. All registered voters, 84% said that they are somewhat or very confident in the accuracy of that April um, result. You've gotten pushback from yep. both sides about the 2020 election process. Some say you're doing too much. Some say you're not doing enough. Trust me, I get them all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you yeah, get yeah. it from yeah, both yeah. sides. What questions do you think are still left unanswered about the 2020 election? So I, I think I, I try to divide the election into really two Listen parts. Listen closely. Um, what hat? Well, three parts, really. What happens before a ballot goes in the machine? What happens before the results are certified? And then what happens after people begin to serve? Okay. The first section, I have been as clear as I possibly can be, that once somebody is sworn into office, you cannot go back and redo the election. You, you just can't. So Unless people are unhappy with they, that oh, I, I, Trust me, I know. Um, but I would say if there is an overwhelming um, amount of fraud that is proven in a court of law, not just go. suspicion, not just something that we think happened, but that we are able to prove. Um, that's the only time that you can go back and do something like that. Um, in my mind, we know, in my mind, that this portion in the middle, I do not believe that the machines changed ballots, right? I do not believe that those things are real, but I do believe what occurred before the election is a serious problem that we've got to focus on, and that's where Justice Gabeman has been putting most of his effort. It has been, is it right for a billionaire to come in and sign a contract mandating that a municipality collect, uh, conduct an election in a certain way? Is it um, permissible in my mind to have things where you have unsecured drop boxes all over the municipality um, where we have no idea what's happening? Do, uh, ballot harvesting is a real problem. It's illegal but we don't have a way to necessarily enforce that. We know that we had indefinitely confined to nursing homes where uh, we saw people who fraudulently filled those out. We now know we had people filling out ballots in nursing homes. How widespread that is, we'll never really know. Um, but the challenge is there are real problems that and undermine our election. And you think there are election. still questions then? Oh, I talk to people, as I say, I'm going door to door now, um, and I would say by far the largest issue that people bring up to me is inflation, food costs, the cost of living, you know, all the economy and those things. But a subset of that is people who are worried about whatever happens in November not being trustworthy. And that's the biggest thing that I wish the Democrats would have been able to understand about Justice Gabeman's investigation is we need to make sure that even if it's only half the population, that the half who questions what happened in 2020 go into 2022 and 2024 with a belief that we have either fixed what the problems were or that we have confidence in the final results. And I think what the Democrats have done, which is to really stymie the investigation, file lawsuits, attempt to say we can't issue subpoenas, all the lawsuits we're involved Almost in, done. really makes those on this half of the spectrum question the results even harder than they did before. So I really feel like there was a way for us to generate consensus. We tried to reach out to the Democrats. They wouldn't do that because it serves their own political interest, and I think that's kind of sad. Is there, can we restart trust in the election Right after process? this, we're almost done. I think we will. I mean, we passed uh, 14 different pieces of legislation, three constitutional amendments, 
Everyone was vetoed by Governor Evers, which I think was cynical because many of them were truly nonpartisan based on the audit. But he has a role to play where he wants to generate maximum effort to say that we're somehow attempting to suppress the vote or to steal people's votes, which is the opposite of what we're trying to do. We're just trying to make sure people have a right to know that. The- All right, let's 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 move on now. He said a lot of stupid things in there, right? The machines didn't do anything. I'm a moron, blah, blah, blah. But he said, unless it is He said, unless there's widespread election fraud in the 2020 Wisconsin presidential election, a do-over election can be necessary if, and there's the if, it can be proven in a court of law that the fraud affected the outcome of the election even after somebody has been sworn into office. Then, then you can have a redo of the election. Well, that video that I just showed you was not from today. It was not from last week. It was from May. It was from May 24th. After that interview on May 24th, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin ruled that the drop boxes were never legal, which means that the, le- the, ila- the illegality of the ballots that went into those drop boxes are 100%. So if you have 520 illegal drop boxes, there's got to be a way. I don't have that number. I will get that number. I can promise you that. I'm on this like flies on manure. I can promise you that the amount of ballots that did go into those illegal drop boxes are far more than the margin that Joey Applesauce won by. So now, now the, the, the Wisconsin Republicans are finding themselves in a place where they, have to, uh, where they have to decide if they want to redo the election. Now, would that reinstall Trump? No, it would not. It would not. But what it's doing is setting a massive precedent. It's doing kind of what uh, Texas did when they said, we do, not, we do not say that Joe Biden is a legitimate president. So if he's not a legitimate president, then we don't have to honor pretty much anything that he's doing. This would be another, This would be that on steroids. And it would make sure that you should have pure, you should have 100% surety in a free and fair election, at least in the state of Wisconsin. So you guys have to understand that this is not the end all be all that puts Trump back in there. Yay, everybody's happy Trump's back in there. It's not about that. Why I'm reporting on this is because there still can be a lot there still is a lot to be done and we have to keep pushing forward. Outside of reinstating Trump, haven't we not pretty much got everything that we've pushed forward on? 14 election security laws in Wisconsin alone. Those are big. Don't think that those are going to go by the wayside. Also, don't think that the Democrats aren't going to try to cheat. We're going to get into that next with Maricopa County. But folks, you have to be happy with the moving forward and not the moving back. We're not backpedaling here. They are backpedaling. The rhinos, like Voss, and the Democrats are backpedaling. And you need, you need to understand that you need to go away from this show today understanding that that is a reality. We are moving forward, okay? Very, very important to know that Voss said at the end of May that unless we find wide uh, voter fraud and then three weeks, two weeks later, the Supreme Court there in Wisconsin, which is the law of their land, said, boop, 
100% illegality of those ballots that went through those drop boxes. Big news. And we have to, and we have to, have to go away understanding that. Now, let's move to Maricopa County, okay? Because we got, I told you I was going to stay on these 60,000 plus ballots that went out that were fraudulent and illegal. And now there's more to report on about that. Okay? A closer look proves something that we tried to prove retroactively in the 2020 election. But unfortunately for us, we were reactive and trying to prove things retroactively rather than being proactive and proving them before the catastrophe happens so that we can do something about it. Again, another massive step forward. I agree, Tommy. If nobody's prosecuted for treason, to set an example, it will not stop. You're 100% correct. You are 100% correct. But let's take the chunks as they're presented to us and let's get to the prosecution in the end. Justice will be served. Promise you. Remember, focus on the promises, not the problems. We can overcome the problems pretty easy. But a closer look proves everything that we tried to prove retroactively in Maricopa County, folks. And that is Maricopa County's early mail-in ballots. Not only 60,000 of them going out with wrong party affiliation, wrong counties, wrong districts, which makes them illegal. But they're sparking new interest and concerns among voters whose party affiliation is clearly marked and displayed in the corner of their envelopes, which is against state law. Now, everything that happened in 2020 was also against state law. What's the difference? Retroactive and reactive. Rather than being proactive and getting ahead of this stuff now. Remember when we were trying to prove that the, ma- the ballots were marked with a barcode that, or, or, or something that... Uh, signified that they were either Democrat or Republican ballots so that mail handlers knew how to screw with them and that people that were passing them out knew how to screw with them. People that were receiving them back in knew how to screw with them, throw them away. Remember all the videos of the postal workers that we saw that just went by the wayside where they were throwing away Republican ballots? How did they know? Because they were marked. How were they marked? By ballots, I mean by, uh, by barcodes or by QR codes or something. Well, we now know that the 60,000 plus that were sent out in Maricopa had the same exact thing, and now we're proving it proactively. The primary election will officially take place in Arizona on August 2nd. Maricopa mail-in ballots are a clear and direct violation of Senate Bill 1002, which was signed into law by the governor on March 18th of 2021 last year. Doug Dushi signed that. Arizona statutes have been updated to read. And again, this is another case, folks, where there was a lot of election security laws passed that everybody continues to forget about and say, it's just going to happen again. You have to understand that these election laws are allowing us to be proactive, get these ballots, get them off the streets, and get new ones in place. The officer charged by law with the duty of preparing ballots at any election shall ensure that the ballot return envelopes are of a type that does not reveal the voters' selections or political party affiliation and that is tamper-evident when properly sealed. That is stuff we found out in 2020 that they did. There was no way to go back and stop that without having an awesome, you know, hard-nosed uh, governor in charge who was gonna, and, and, and an uh, attorney general who was going to prosecute those people. However, however... 
As soon as the legislation went into session and they passed this election security law, now you're violating the law 100%. This creates a series a serious election integrity concern for bad actors who seek to abuse Republican ballots, which we knew they did in 2020. Okay? Liz Harris and Captain Seth Keschel, two patriots who led a canvas of Maricopa County homes, calculated that over 173,000 votes were lost, which is 34.23% of the canvas voters who were recorded saying no with a no vote said that they had voted. Okay? I just, I'm going through some of this. I want to get to the meat and the potatoes of this. Arizona Attorney General Election Integrity Unit. Please investigate the circumstances of the names of, of the names of political parties being openly shown, visible and identifiable as printed on official live public elections ballots for 2022 primary election. The election itself now live throughout the jurisdiction of Maricopa County, Arizona. This was sent, or this was SB 1002. So this was back when the, uh, when the law was put into place. So now, ladies and gentlemen, it is up to Michelangelo Bernovich, but not only Michelangelo Bernovich, it is up to district attorneys to get involved. So if you live in Arizona, heck, even if you don't live in Arizona, reach out to the district attorneys in Maricopa County, their public record, email them. Take that same email, change the name, and email it to Michelangelo uh, Bernovich. Take that same email, change the name of it, and send it to Katie Hobbs. It's not going to do any good to send it to Katie Hobbs, but at least it's on record, and at least you're flooding the system. That's what you have to do. We know these 60,000-plus uh, ballots are fraudulent, and now the proper people are going out and making sure that they are off the streets. Mark Fincham is working on that. You've got Liz, uh, Liz Harrington working on that. You've got, uh, uh, what's the lady's name who's the chair of the Republican Party in Arizona? I'm sorry, it's running a blank. Somebody will help me in the comment section. Folks, it's all about being proactive. We can stop it, don't worry. Those 60,000 ballots will not be valid. They won't be counted. They won't be sent in for any reason and counted. You can trust that. It's just a matter of making sure day by day that we are on this like flies on manure and we get them off the streets. Again, we are in a million times better Position to deal with this now than we were on November 4th of 2020. Be happy for that. Focus on the promises, not the problems, okay? Flood the system. You already know what I'm going to do. Where's my soundbite? When this kind of stuff happens, we need to do one thing and one thing only as one massive LFA cohesive unit and light them up. Kelly Ward, thank you. Thank you very much. I knew my LFA family would come through. Now, I've also been telling you about the desperation dripping off of the Democrats' lips. Every time they talk, every time they get on, on air, every time they go on, whether it's Fox News, CNN, doesn't matter. When Democrats are on there, when uniparty rhinos are on there, you can feel the desperation dripping off their lips. But now, with Donald Trump saying he's already made his decision about whether he's running or not, or whether he's running in 2024 or not, he's just waiting to make the decision. With every reporter now talking Trump, have you noticed that or is it just me? Have you noticed that or is it just me that every reporter is bringing up Trump now because they know that the ratings are about ready to come back? 
So they're planting seeds now for the massive duel. It doesn't matter if they hate Trump. It doesn't matter if they want to run narratives on him. It doesn't matter if they don't want him around. They know the ratings are coming. So what you're starting to hear more now than ever, more now than in the last two years, is Trump's name rolling off the desperation of these reporters' tongues. Why? Because they're asking rhinos and dinos and swamp donkey Democrats, what are you going to do with Trump coming back? Is Trump coming back? Are you prepared for Trump to come back? It is the one and only reason that we saw Gavin Newsom, Gavin, Governor Gavin Gaslight at the White House the other day. They're scared. They are scared. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to notice how desperate they are. When I show you this video of Nancy Pelosi, Stretch Face Armstrong, yesterday, when she was asked about Trump and a possible 2024 run. Now, before I do, what happened to demons when they possessed, uh, when they possessed people uh, and, and Jesus showed up? What happened to them? I'm not comparing Trump to Jesus. So I don't think I am, but I'm just trying to give you an analogy here. What happened to demons when they heard the name of Jesus Christ uttered? They went into a frenzy and they fled the bodies that they were occupying, especially when Jesus there himself said, "Uh, get out, and they were gone. Anytime that a demon heard the name of Jesus, it put him into a frenzy. History repeats itself, doesn't it? These demons that occupy people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and you can just watch the demon work inside them like uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, when they hear the name Trump, just by the mere mention of his name, they go into a frenzy. Watch Stretch Face when it happens to her. Trump, Trump has indicated that he plans to announce a 2024 run in the next month or so. What impact would that have on the midterms, and would it benefit Democrats, in your opinion? Do I ever even mention his name (laughs) when I even waste my time talking about him? You do it all the time. What I will say is, and I'll say this and I've said it again and again, Democrats have absolutely no intention of losing the House (laughs) in November (laughs) and the Senate, too. Uh, We are mobilized. We are fortified. We have great candidates. And we have a great Get it out. Our country is at risk. Come on. Our democracy is at risk. But what we are campaigning on are the kitchen table issues that affect America's working families. So they know the difference between a Democratic and Republican administration on top of uh, uh, Congress, on top of which, on top of which our democracy is at stake. I don't speculate on who's running in 2024, even if it's the former occasional occupant of the White House. <laughs> That's up to the Republicans to figure out what it impacted. Repol- Republicans. But we do know uh, that if people vote, women vote, women win. What? And so do their issues. So that's what we're that's what we're about. I hope you get it. A- you don't even know what a woman is, lady. You can't even tell us what a woman, when women vote, women win. And I don't care what the Republicans and the Depopacin want to do. It's a democracy and a republic. I let them figure. Do I even mention his name? Yeah, all the time. All the time it drips off your vodka-soaked dentures every single day. (laughs) Talking about the kitchen table issues. You mean the same kitchen table in which we're paying about four, I don't know, four or five hundred dollars a month for a family of five kids for groceries? That kitchen table, is that the one you're talking about? Working families, 
Oh, you mean the ones that are paying, I don't know, $5 a gallon of gas? $7,000 more a month or a year to live for an average family with two workers? You mean those families? We are what we do. What we do know is that women, women, women vote, women win. When women vote, women win? What are you talking about? But you see the desperation dripping off her vodka-soaked uh, dentures, don't you? Even at the mention of Donald Trump's name, it sends them into a frenzy. They just don't know what to do about it. I think, ladies and gentlemen, that calls for the very coveted Dumb Dumb Award of the Day for Stretch Face Armstrong. Let's go ahead and get to it. Come on, man. <laughs> we did it. We did it, Joe. But I, I, do I even mention his name? He's not even worth my time to mention his a difference between Republican Democrat, and the families know that. When women wish you the Republican, let them do what they want. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I love it. I love watching them squirm. I love watching them be drunk. I love watching them not know what to say. I love not. I love watching them not have a strategy. Um, I love watching them talk about women when they, you ask it. I wish a reporter would have said, "Oh, good thing you said that." Oh, what's a woman? Come on, I'm not gonna play that game with you. I'm not gonna play that game with you. What's a woman? You know damn well what 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 a woman is. So don't 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 sit there. I'm not gonna talk. I'm not just gonna talk about it. Coronavirus is is bad. Oh, anyway, hey, uh, Nancy Pelosi, I've got something for you. Let's go ahead and play this. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Amen. Nancy, <laughs> she gets so flustered. Hey, what's a woman, by the way? I don't, I'm not going to play your games. <laughs> That's exactly what she'd say. Oh, these people. Anyway, let me have a drink of coffee and we'll move on to the Secret Service responding over poor little Hunter Biden's iCloud account being hacked. Oh, no. The Secret Service. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the people with guns who protect the people who don't want you to have guns. The same Secret Service that you pay to protect crackhead Hunter Biden. Yeah, they've responded to Hunter Biden's iCloud account being hacked. The Biden crime family saga continues to deepen. And it is very embarrassing for the nation, folks, but as embarrassingly potentially criminal implications flow in a steady stream of leaked information and videos and weird, weird recordings. Last week, 4chan announced that they were in possession of new sensitive information from Hunter Biden's iCloud account. Of course, on Tuesday, the Secret Service announced they were, quote, keeping track of the allegations. Um, uh, you don't have to keep track of them. I got them. Would you like to have them? I mean, you know where I am. I mean, the FBI's been here before. Just send your buddies in the New Hampshire FBI st- um, agency. Send them right up here, and I'll give it to them. You don't have to keep track of them. Or are you, are you saying you're keeping track of the alleg- who's making the allegations? We don't have to keep track on who's making the allegations. It's not the allegations that we should be talking about. It's the subject matter. It's the content that was leaked. 
you imbeciles, you ignoramuses, you clutch, you putch, you numbnuts, you know, whatever I said yesterday, the definition of an idiot. Why are we focused on the allegations and not the crimes? The Washington Examiner initially seemed to cooperate for chance claims, posting on Sunday reported screenshots from Hunter Biden's computer. The Examiner later took down the post. Well, how about that? How about that? Because some of the material could not be immediately verified. You mean Hunter Biden's face on the camera? You mean Hunter Biden's very, very familiar voice? His nasally weak, coward voice? Just like his weak, plagiarizing, applesauce, poopy pants, Captain Corn Pop Daddy's voice? You mean that couldn't be verified? It couldn't be verified that he was there with prostitutes measuring out how much crack weighs, smoking that crack in some kind of a flotation chamber, walking on the beach, sweating naked, wearing a bomber jacket that said Ronald Reagan on it. It couldn't be verified. Then why'd you put it up in the first place, you coward losers? A spokesman for the Secret Service, which is all but secret today, said this, quote, At this time, we are not in a position to make a public comment on potential investigations. Well, how about that? Isn't that a nice cop-out? Actions, but I can assure you the Secret Service, along with other federal law enforcement partners, are aware of the social media posts and claims referencing Mr. Biden. Well, we're glad you're aware of it. Can you stop playing uh, patty cake? And stop feeding us a line of crap for just one second and say, yeah, the guy's got issues. What do you want us to say? He's the president's son and we got to, uh, you know, we got to protect his loser butt until something happens. Adding to the embarrassing and incriminating photos, National Review uh, reported that one video shows Hunter Biden measuring amount of drug, of the drug crack while talking with a prostitute. Exactly. And we just go on and on and on. We've seen them all. Some of you even got mad at me for posting and showing them the other day. But you have to. You have to. Most people don't believe anything unless they see it with their own eyes. So you have to. Now, Chuck Grassley sent letters saying Congress has a constitutional responsibility to ensure the proper execution of and compliance with conflicts of interest, laws, and regulations. The failure of the Justice Department to comply with these rules will cause political infection to run rampant. That'll rot the core of the Justice Department and cast a cloud over everything that it does. Hey, Chuck Grassley, I know you're about 475 and a half years old, And I know you have good intentions, but let me fill you in on something there, guy. The Justice Department is already a rotted, core, cancerous division of our federal government. Where have you been, guy? He says, as I've said before, the Justice Department's failure to be transparent with the Hunter Biden criminal case and recusals, recusals, excuse me, relating to it has cast a cloud over the investigation. What is the Justice Department trying to hide? The American people's concerns about how the case has been managed are legitimate. Why do we talk like this? Can I ask that question? Why does anybody talk like this? Number one, we're not England. Stop trying to be so proper. Number two, you're an American. Get it out. 
If you got something to say, say it. Don't worry about the backlash. Don't worry about if you misspeak. Don't worry about if you accidentally swear. Don't worry about if you say something that the liberal media is going to twist six ways from Sunday. Stop being a coward and say what you mean. Wussies. That's what they are. I don't care that Chuck Grassley has good intentions. I don't care that there's something that's called decor. I don't care that there's something called common respect. I don't care that you got to wear a suit and a tie to go do a job a monkey could seemingly do better than Congress is doing. Roll up in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and say it like it is. Why do we talk like this? The very reason that we don't do anything about anything It's because nobody wants to say things how they are. And that's why Trump got so much done. That's why Trump got so much done. Wasn't afraid to say it how it needed to be said. When you go to the doctor and the doctor finds out that you've got stage five cancer and you got about a month to live, do you think the doctor says, well, um, we seem to find that you do have, you know, some, some irregularities going on. Um, you definitely do have, you know, some cancer. Um, you know, it, it, it could be bad, but we don't want to say how bad it is. We just want you to be happy with the fact that we found it. Um, we need to be careful about how we talk about this because it may hurt your feelings. And we need to be careful about the stage five cancer that you have only 45 days to live that we found. Uh, we need to be careful that it doesn't upset your family if we talk about it. Do you think a doctor does that? No, a doctor tells you, let me talk to you like Kamala for a minute. When you go see a doctor, folks, a doctor hits your little knee to make sure your reflexes are okay. Opens up your tongue and puts that thing on the back of your tongue. And a doctor puts that thing on your arm to take your blood pressure. And a doctor also does tests and runs very, very difficult um, to understand, uh, you know, tests with machines, this, that, and the other to find out how good your body is. And sometimes, folks, your body's just got a meanie face on it. Sometimes your body's saying, hey, I'm not doing so good. And then sometimes your body just says, I can't go anymore. And that's when you have stage five cancer and you die. Unbelievable, these people. Unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable... Let's go out to L.A., Los Angeles, the worst city in America. Not with the worst people because there's a lot of good people there. They're trying to save it. But it is one of the worst cities in America. You got New York and Chicago. They're right there. They're all trying to find out who's the biggest loser. But anyway, last uh, just the other day I told you that Sheriff Villanueva is uh, pretty much on the chopping block as the city council there wants to remove him, fire him, even though he was elected by the people to do the job the people want him to do. Remember, just because somebody does this on social media doesn't mean that they do the same thing behind that curtain, okay, when they vote. So Sheriff Villanueva was elected by the people, and now the council want to get rid of him. And you ask yourself, well, why did the council want to get rid of him? Well, the big reason is, is because during their COVID mandates and their mask mandates and their vax mandates, Sheriff Villanueva was like, hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make my men and women do that. And I'm not going to enforce it on the street either. Well, that made the city council very upset. So now they're looking on ways to remove him. 
and now you know why. Because LA is bringing back the indoor mask mandate, ladies and gentlemen, as COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths are on the rise. Continued rise in COVID-19 cases like the flu and hospitalizations driven by the subvariant, the BA5 subvariant, placed LA County into a high COVID level Thursday, right before the midterms. The category shift may trigger a public indoor mask mandate that will go in effect by the end of July, right before August. For weeks, county officials have said the area was moving toward the numbers needed to impose a new mask mandate. And as the new subvariant of Omicron spreads, nobody's getting sick, but those numbers are closer now more than ever. If the county remains in the high COVID zone for the next two weeks, a mandate order will be issued and go into effect on July 29th. If LA falls back into the medium level during that time period, the clock would reset. Folks, I'm here to tell you that clock is not going to reset. LA will not find themselves back in the medium level. They will stay at the high level because the flu is so bad. They will try to get rid of Villanueva so they can impose it criminally on the public and you will have no choice. So you have two choices. Stay in LA, mask up like a freak again, or move, unfortunately. Or don't mask up and go to jail. That's what they want. So, folks, if you live in L.A., you might want to scream at the top of your lungs, we're not doing it again. Actually, if you live in L.A., you may want to play that song, we're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. And we're never going to do it anymore. Ever, ever again. Do not ever let them make you mask up again. And now we've got some great news to end the show. But before we do, I want to acknowledge the passing of Ivana Trump, mother of Donald Trump Jr., mother of Ivanka Trump, mother of Eric Trump, a great mother, a great woman, a great wife to Donald J. Trump, who escaped communism and married one of the most iconic billionaires that the United States of America has ever known. I'd like to uh, ask for a moment of silence while we think about the mother of the Trump children and how devastating this must be for them right now. And I'd like to ask each and every one of you to just pray for Ivanka, for Ivanka, for Don Jr., for Eric, for Donald Trump, for Melania. I'd like you to even pray for Barron. I'm sure Barron knew who she was as well. And from what I understand from Rudy Giuliani and others, she was a very, very spectacular woman. And Donald Trump put a statement out about it. She was found dead in her apartment. As you know, there's probably a thousand conspiracy theories out there about what happened. But I'd like to read Donald Trump's statement. I'm very saddened to inform all of those that loved her, of which there are many, that Ivana Trump has passed away in her home in New York City. She was a wonderful, beautiful, and amazing woman who led a great and inspirational life. Her pride and joy were her three children, Donald Jr., Ivanka, and Eric. She was so proud of all of them, as we were all so proud of her. Rest in peace, Ivana. What a nice thing to say. Donald Trump, what a not-so-nice thing to do, though, and very, very 
uh, very much expected, was the leftists who attacked the Trump family following Ivana's death. And that's exactly what they do, folks. They're disgusting. They are disgusting people, and they attacked her in tweets. Of course, Occupy Democrats put it out there that she died at the age of 73, in which people just started going under that. Hope she left a diary so we could take down the Trumps. Here's another one. Just a coincidence that the Trump kids and the orange, um, I'm not going to repeat that word, are all supposed to be deposed tomorrow, I'm sure. These people saying very sick things. I'm not even going to read it. I'm not even going to give them the time of day other than to say you should be ashamed of yourselves. And we will pray for you people, actually. We will pray for you. We'll pray that God touches your heart. How dare you? But it's okay because you can't beat God and God is actually taking away this country from your cold, dying fingers. Piece by piece. How'd you like that Roe v. Wade uh, verdict, by the way? Anyway, folks, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is going to get the Smarty Award of the day today. And you want to know what? Joe Manchin has actually got the Smarty Award now more than Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, and uh, what's her name? Ronna McDaniel. All combined, and they're all Republicans. Smarty Award of the Day goes to Senator Joe Manchin from the great state of West Virginia as he saves America again, saying H-E double hockey sticks no to climate change and tax hikes in Biden's Build Back Better or Broke Back Busted that Biden keeps trying to revive. It's dead, bozo, let it go. According to the WAPO, (laughs) yesterday, Senator Joe Manchin told Chuck Schumer unequivocally, using that word, unequivocally, no, that he would not support the climate or the tax provisions of Biden's failing attempts to pass his famed broke-back-busted bill. Schumer reportedly tried to negotiate the climate provisions, but Manchin would not budge even an inch. Even an inch. No way. Unequivocally, no. Manchin told Schumer he would not support a bill this month with any provisions on energy or climate change, nor would he consider raising taxes on the wealthy or corporations. Manchin's call for sanity has dealt another massive blow to Biden's illegal illegal and illegitimate legislative agenda ahead of the November midterms. God bless Senator Joe Manchin. You can hate him on him all you want. You can say all you want about him. You can complain about rumors. You can say, well, I read on Facebook all you want. But when the chips are on the table, when push came to shove in the last 18 months, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema have delivered a blow left and right to the illegitimate regime. That means no nationalizing the elections. That means no packing the Supreme Court. That means no build back busted, broke back better, whatever you want to call it. No, no, no. Manchin's been at the helm of stopping Biden's $1.75 trillion climate and economic bill known as the build back, broke back, busted bill. Manchin staff told the WAPO uh, WAPO the other day, political headlines are of no value. 
to the millions of Americans struggling to afford groceries and gas as inflation soars to 9.1%. That right there is a statement. Let me say that again. Political headlines are of no value, his office says, to the millions of Americans who are struggling to afford groceries and gas as inflation rises to 9.1%. Do you want to know what that means? Do you want to know what that equals, folks? That equals having your hand on the pulse of America, having your finger on the pulse of America. Joe, Joe Manchin might be a scumbag in so many ways, but when it came to push to shove, that man, for some reason, whether it's he's scared of losing his political career, whether he understands that the Democrats are going down like the Titanic with no door to hang on uh, like Jack did with Rose. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, he's got his finger on the pulse of America and he understands that we're struggling, we're dying, and we're living paycheck to paycheck if we are lucky. Shout out to Joe Manchin. Let him know how much you absolutely love the fact that he's standing up for Americans. But we're not done yet. No, no, no. You better stay. You better stay because I'm going to prove to you that the political shift and the cultural shift in this country is changing. And the first way that I'm going to show you is we've been talking about the House of Representatives and how we're going to take 80 seats. Folks, officially now, there's a report out that the Republicans are now favored to also win the Senate as well. So far, most people agree that Republicans are favored to win control of the House in the November midterms. But control of the Senate has been a different story until now. Political analyst Sean Trend now says Republicans are likely to win the Senate as well. And he writes this from Real Clear Politics. Recently, there's been a, uh, a spat of stories about Republicans' difficulties in taking over the Senate. These, anal- these analysis typically uh, focus on candidates' poor polling numbers in key states and the weaknesses of the Republican recruiting class. These aren't absurd analysis. I've referred to the battle between the overall electoral environment and Republican candidate quality as the irresistible force versus the immovable, immovable object in previous columns. Had the Republican Party fielded its A-team in states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Arizona, we probably would not be talking about Democrats even having a shot at retaining in the Senate. But at the same time, we should not get carried away. While Republican candidate quality is an issue, good analysis should not lose sight of the fact that environment matters as well, and probably more so these days. Joe Biden's approval rating is 37.7%. It's way lower than that loser. But anyway, in the real clear politics average, a mark reached only briefly by former President Donald J. Trump in August and December of 2017 and never touched by former President Barack Hussein Obama. While the map isn't as favorable for Republicans as it will be in 2024, it isn't unfavorable either. I'm getting to the point here, folks. He says, let's be honest about the daunting nature of the task facing Democrats. Both Pennsylvania and Wisconsin have been, on average, two points more Republican than the county, uh, than the country as a whole in presidential elections. If Republicans win the House and the Senate in November, two things are sure to happen. Democrats and the media will have a massive meltdown and Biden's presidency will be effectively over. So be on the lookout for Republicans to take the House and the Senate solely based on the fact that the Democrat policies are so bad that people cannot logically and and realistically vote for Democrats anymore because it's hurting them too bad in their pockets. And at that same dinner table, that Nancy Pelosi spoke about. Now, let me speak about last night and let me speak about what I'm personally witnessing as a Republican running for the House of Representatives here in the state of New Hampshire. 
First of all, last night we had a Republican fundraiser. It had the most, how do I want to say it? More people tried to buy tickets to this Republican fundraiser than any year they have ever done it before. As a matter of fact, there were people running for Senate, for not state Senate, folks, for U.S. Senate, and had their team there, and they were not allowed to attend. Why? Because tickets were already oversold. And when these people showed up who were running for U.S. Senate, and their team showed up, and they were there schmoozing and shaking hands, they could not get into the event because the event was already oversold. That means, ladies and gentlemen, that the attention that this event had was more than they've ever seen before, and they completely sold out and some, and they've never seen that before here in the state of New Hampshire for this event. That's number one. Number two, everybody there who was somebody, like Don Boldick, who was running for Senate against Maggie Hassan, he was there, and his people were coming up to me wanting to get on Live from America, wanting to get on this show. As soon as this show was mentioned, they were like, oh, yeah, we need to be on that show. That lets me know that even right here in the little old state of New Hampshire, Live from America is becoming a big thing. So many people knew about Real America's Voice News, too, which was another big thing. A year ago, that would have never been the case. And here's the big one, folks. Check this out. (laughs) Two nights ago, we had a big vote here in Claremont, New Hampshire. I want to let you know that the Democrats run the city council six to three. We have nine city council members. Democrats are in majority, six to three, on our city council. Recently, we just voted in our city to privatize our dump and transfer station, which would save our city over $100,000 a year and would privatize it and would put it in the hands of a private company who would be far more efficient than any government entity could ever be. The Democrats were on top of this like flies on manure. They were sending out emails every single day. Do not let the Republicans do this. The Republicans in the city council were proposing this. Do not let them do this. We need to make sure that we have subsidized dump and a subsidized transfer station for those people out there who can't afford it. We need to give discounts out there for people who need to get rid of their trash. Six to three, mind you. The Democrats are in charge of the city council. Do you want me to tell you what I said at the city council meeting? And then I'll tell you what happened in the end. Check this out. Let me pull this up. Here's what I said at city council. Hello and good evening. My name is Jeremy Harrell and I live at 170. Uh, I can't say that on this. <laughs> but I had to say my uh, I had to say my address. I apologize that I could not make the city council meeting. I had to send in this email. On 7-13-2022, and I hope this email will suffice in my absence, which they did read. I am for privatization of our city's dump and transfer transfer station. There are many reasons I take this stance, but the main reason comes down to the fiscal responsibility and efficiency. No matter how you slice it, Claremont is a great city full of overtaxed property owners who have carried the load long enough. We can argue all day long as to who is to blame for overspending or senseless projects. But at the end of the day, any private business will operate at a much higher level of efficiency than any local, state, or federal agency, which is statistically proven across the board time and time again. 
It shouldn't matter if it's only 100000 in savings or if it's $100 million in savings. Savings anywhere is a great start, especially when we will get a better product for our investment if we choose to use their services. That's another reason. Choice. The choice to pay for a service that you use instead of a service you don't use but still pay for the benefit of others to receive a discount. Obviously, there are necessities in a community that all should chip in on for us to have a functioning community, but I do not believe that trash should be the responsibility of the city's taxpayers in a place where we are already among the heaviest taxed in the state. Thank you for all your time. You guys are all working well together considering our country's, state's, and city's political environment, which is charged to the max. But I do thank you all for what you are doing and for the best for this community. God bless you all and have a great evening. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what happened? We won. Five to four, we won. We successfully privatized our city dump and transfer, ta- and transfer, ta- uh, transfer station excuse me, from a Republican um, proposal in which we were the minority and we won. And we successfully privatized our dump. And we saved our city over $100,000 a year. And we will get a better product and a better efficient uh, transfer station as a result And do you want to know what I can contribute that to? Or I should say attribute that to, I'm sorry. Almighty God. The shift in our cultural environment in our country. A major shift from people that are going, I do not want to go down with the Titanic. That is a cultural shift. That is a political shift. And the fact that our event last night had more attention than it ever has before and we sold out and we had to turn away people who were running for U.S. Senate. And the fact that our city won a 5-4 to four vote in a 6-3 to three Democrat-run council, that tells me everything I need to know, ladies and gentlemen. We are winning. So don't ever think that just because somebody has a D or an R in front of their name that you can't make a difference. Because you can. Folks, please go to jeremyharrell.com today. Donate if you can. And if you can even be a $5 monthly donor, that would help. It would really, really help right now when donations are so low. But I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Gold Co. Because Gold Co. and other sponsors are stepping up when we need them. Not every month, but when we need them. And that is who we're going to highlight today. Gold Co. They are helping you take back your life. They're helping you take back and control your own finances. You don't got to be rich. You don't got to be a millionaire. And you don't got to have to have a retirement in order to start putting your money into something more secure today. And whether it's real estate or gold or silver or palladium or whatever, get a hold of goldco.com today at 855-559-3433. Or go to goldco.com slash LFA or live. And let them know that we sent you. Because they're helping us here when a lot of people can't. And that is something to be said. Folks, thank you very much. There are right ways and wrong ways. But there's only one Yahweh. So stand up tall. Keep your shoulders back. Keep your chest out. And keep your head up high. Because you are a child of God. And no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. I'll see you guys tonight at 5 p.m. for more Live from America. Until then, keep your families close. Keep a smile on your face. And keep spreading that 
gospel at all costs. That's what we're here to do. God bless you guys. I love you. Have yourselves a great day, and I'll see you tonight. Peace. Stop screaming that we first in America